Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well today with you and your family. Hope you're enjoying this wonderful, wonderful Christmas season. We're so excited to come to you today and join with you in your home, wherever you're at today listening. Now we're going to have some great Christmas singing today, some teaching about the Christmas story. We hope you guys enjoy it. And again, welcome to Cornerstone Church Online and Merry Christmas. In the Christmas story we read in Luke's Gospel chapter 2 and verse 8, we see the story of the shepherds. And the scriptures say that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom the Lord is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now the question today would be, why? Why would the Lord appear with all of his angels? Why would he appear uh, have this visitation to the shepherds? Why would he show up to them? Especially in their culture. You'd have to understand a little bit about their culture. Shepherds were considered um, not so much valuable to the community as a whole. Their trade wasn't really looked up upon. You know, they had a kind of smelly job. It was in a lot of livestock, and it wasn't respected by the community. If you think about David, David was a good example of this. Uh, even when they were choosing the new king of Israel, uh, Samuel comes out to anoint Jesse's sons. And Jesse doesn't think enough of David to bring him into the lineup. He leaves him out into the fields where he's watching over the sheep. And he even says to Samuel, when Samuel says, it's not any of these boys, do you have another son? And Jesse said, well, I do, but he's just out there watching sheep. So even though family members considered it a lowly position. You know, Paul told Timothy, don't let people look down upon you because you're young, but be an example to the believers. So you can be young, and I know people want to try to look down upon you, but if you want to overcome that, then you got to be an example to people in faith and in your integrity and character and all the other things that go along with it. Be an example, and they won't look down upon you. When David stepped up to fight Goliath, no one looked down upon him anymore because he stood up and he did that which they did not expect. But why shepherds? Well, they were given this spot in and around Bethlehem because the priests did not want the lambs to be kept in and around Jerusalem. These shepherds, more than likely, they were keeping the Passover lambs. That's kind of where a small flock would be kept. They were some of the most, the best of the best. They were the most, uh, the best looking flocks. They were the most cared for, and they were special because they would be the Passover lambs. Well, it would be very fitting then for the Lord to reveal to the shepherds the Passover lamb. If they were caring for Passover lambs, he would want them to actually see the Passover lamb, who is Jesus. And the angel said this, that we bring you good news of great joy to all people. 
And so the shepherds heard this and they thought, to all people? To us? You know, a lot of people don't look up to us and they don't think much of us, but they're telling us that this news is for everybody. It's good news for all people. And you know, today, when the angels would declare that we bring you joy and we declare peace for all men. You know, today there's so many different things that we run up against. So many things that we can fight over. I listened to a podcast that, uh, I don't, you don't have to listen to it, I'm not necessarily recommending it, but it's called Business Wars, and they put companies up against one another. They'll say Apple versus Microsoft, or they'll do Coke versus Pepsi, and they fight or talk about how the companies would fight against one another to, to bring in market share. And it's a good indicator today, similar to how we respond. You know, today you can pick up anything you want to pick, and there'll be an opponent to it. If you pick Coke, somebody's going to pick Pepsi and want to fight over it. But today, wouldn't it be great if there was some more peace on our earth? If people could just seem to get along a little bit more. Well, the angels declared that if Jesus would be the center of our lives, we would have peace. Peace is possible with Jesus. And the gospel is very clear. It is for all people. It's for girls, for boys, it's for mom and for dad. It's for everybody. No one is left out. And the scripture is clear about God's standards. His standards are high. But the scripture is also clear about God and the goodness of God and the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. I thank God that we don't have to try to be here when God calls us. He'll take us anywhere we are in our lives. Even if people look down upon you, even if you think people think you're in a low spot in life, the Lord looks upon you and says, If you'll come to me, I will help you, I will take care of you, I will change your life, and I will think very highly of you. That's why he sent Jesus, and why he sent him, and the shepherds saw him. In Psalm 34, 8, it says this, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I we go in the song of worship. Man, take the time to just worship God right now and thank him that he looks upon you and sees favor, he thinks very highly of you.
Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, we read the story about the wise men, or the magi, as some translations read. It says in verse 1 that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, or some magi, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law, and he said, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, In Bethlehem in Judea. For this is what the prophet Micah wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now we know that Herod was not going to worship Jesus. That was not in his plan whatsoever. So the interesting thing about the wise men is this. They got an audience with Herod because of their position of affluence and influence. They, in their influence, would have had great respect among Herod and the individuals there. Their wealth also would have given them a reason to be in front of Herod. The shepherds probably never would have been given this audience. They would have never had the opportunity to stand in the courts of Herod, but the Magi did. And I think it's interesting because it shows that God is willing to reveal the gospel to everyone, not just a few. But it needs people in every area of life to present the gospel. So the wise men were called magi. It comes from the word magic, but it's not a twisted word. Like They they were not involved with the, the demonic activity or things like that. They were very intelligent individuals. They would be considered um, very educated people. Think of them as... Uh, the Harvard or Yale of, of our day or the MIT, they were very, very intelligent people. They charted the skies. They weren't into the horoscopes. They weren't into trying to navigate your life by stars and those kinds of things. But yet at the same time, they did study the stars. They revealed um, their findings through through watching the planets and other things like that. They understood lunar cycles and what it meant for the earth. Their, in their wisdom, in the area in which they lived, it would have been around where the Persians and the Medes were, uh, some Babylonian influence in that region there, uh, they probably gained influence from the Jews that still lived there. And they heard stories about the coming Messiah. And some people actually believe that these Magi could have been Jews. It's possible, but we don't know that. But nonetheless, they were influenced more than likely from the Jews who still lived in the Babylonian regions. And so, either way, because of their study and because of their intelligence, they bring about something that's important. Science, intelligence, and study will always reveal more of God. No matter what you study, no matter how much intelligence you bring to the table, it should lead you closer to God. And you can only do one of two things with intelligence. With your intelligence, it either causes you to discover more of God, or it causes people to reject God. You think about this, the Magi, they accepted Jesus, they worshipped Jesus. The priests, the ones who understood more about the Lord, they rejected Jesus. Intelligence is a funny thing, it really is. I got this Bible one time, the Bible itself was a translation, but he did study notes. And his author is named Lee Strobel. So this this individual, it's a pretty thick Bible, it's about this thick, it's got all kinds of writings in it and discoveries and facts and figures and things like that. But the interesting thing about it, when Haley got it for me, um, he was a former atheist. 
And he used to be a journalist, you know, and so his job was to bring about facts. Now, in our culture today, journalism is a bit slanted. You know, it's not the same as it used to be. But it used to be journalism was based on facts, not opinions. You couldn't just say what you wanted to say. Even if you didn't like the news or the reporting, you had to bring the facts. And so as a journalist, he set out on this study to prove that Jesus was fake, that he was not real, that God was fake. And he, he used all of his intelligence, all of his journalistic skills to prove this. Now, mind you, he's an atheist. He begins the study. He begins going down this path. And as he discovers more and more about Christ, he is revealing more and more about Jesus to himself. He's questioning things. He travels great distances to prove this out. He can't finish his study. He gets to a point where he actually confesses Jesus as Lord, changes professions, comes to Christ, and he says this. He said, I have found that it requires more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It's because of intelligence that he discovered more about God. And the thing about intelligence is, again, you either discover more of God with it or you reject that which you have discovered. And thankfully, Lee discovered God and followed along in acceptance of him as Savior. But regardless of our education or our trade or position in life or what others view us as, you may be in your life, you may feel like a shepherd, you may feel like you're here, or maybe you feel like you're up here, very affluent, very uh, have a lot of influence. Maybe you feel like you're like a wise person, or maybe you feel like a shepherd, you feel like no one really looks up to you that much. It doesn't matter. All of us come to the same place in life. And that is we all find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says this in Psalm 72 and verse 11. It says, And let all kings bow down before him. Let all nations serve him. Today, no matter where we find ourselves, I pray that we would always find ourselves at the feet of Jesus.
Now I want to read to you the nativity scene found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Starting with verse 1, At that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire, and all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. It was his ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, and she laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. You know, every year when you hear the Christmas story, you typically hear this statement. There was no room for them at the end. And the reason was because of this census. It would be the equivalent today of maybe the national championship being in Atlanta and if Georgia and Alabama do wind up playing together and both states being close like they are, everyone is going to try to go and be a part of this this game. But there's only so many people that can fit in a stadium. It'll sell out. And there's only so many hotels around the area, and they will sell out. If you try to get in there and you just want to go downtown and have a hotel stay for the night, you're probably not going to find a place to stay. Very much this is what was going on. But there's something else I want you to see here. Even before Jesus is born, he's rejected. There's no place for them to stay. Can you imagine what it would be like for a dad and a mom, and here they are with the the, the child that's not even born yet. They can't find a place to stay. They can't get a spot in the hospital. There's nowhere for them to go. And the only thing you can find is a place where they keep the animals, and you're going to put your baby there. That's how Jesus got started. He was rejected before he was ever born. His mother was rejected by people in the community. Joseph was rejected by people in the community. His whole family rejected him. His own hometown and the people of Nazareth, they rejected him. When you think about his life and all the other people that rejected him, Herod, he rejected him so much he murdered all of the babies in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem under the age of two. And you think about Pilate, Pilate rejected Jesus. He didn't want to, but he did. You think about the other people, the priests who knew the most about Jesus, they rejected him. And even his own friends, the people closest to him, when it came in his greatest time of trial and difficulty, his own friends rejected him. The Bible says they all deserted him and ran away. Well, I say that because though Jesus was rejected and though he felt rejection, he knows what it's like to go through that. And all of us in our lives have been rejected at one point in time. If you haven't, you will be at some point, I promise you. And whether you're a shepherd, maybe you feel like I'm just at this point in my life, I feel like more like a shepherd. I feel like, you know, I'm kind of in a low position. I don't feel like I have a lot to offer the people around me and maybe people don't think much of me. I'll tell you what, somebody that does, Jesus thinks about you. He thinks very highly of you. Or maybe you're up you feel like, man, I'm climbing this corporate ladder. I'm climbing these steps. I'm getting there. One day I'm going to get to that spot. And when I do, man, that's when they're really going to respect me. They're going to really honor me. If I get to the top, then people will see, you know what? Yeah, that guy's got it going on. But I can tell you this, no matter if you're in a lowly position where you feel like people don't respect you or you're in the highest position of authority today, there's always someone greater than you. And if you think that by the time you get to the top, then they will respect me. They will not respect you. The only one that will respect you and accept you and take you in is the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says this about Jesus in Matthew 1, 21. Speaking about the Lord to, to Joseph about Mary. The angel says, she will bear a son, talking about Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, that's what Jesus did. He came to save us from our sins. He came to deliver us from our sins. And when we come to him, whether we be like a shepherd or whether we be like a wise man, understand this, that Jesus doesn't look at us in our positions of life. The Bible tells us this, that, you know what, now in Christ, when we become Christians, there's no longer Jew or Greek. There's no more slave or free. There's no more male or female. All are one in Christ Jesus. He broke down that division between us. No matter what it is that people try to divide us with today, he broke that down. And the only person to receive you and accept you before you try to get things right in life is Jesus. He never asks you to fix your life. He never asks you to get everything in order. He never says, hey, you know what? You got to be this way before I'll take you. No, he says, if you'll come unto me, if you'll call upon me, I will save you. I will receive you into my family. And that's what I love about Jesus. Man, he'll accept you no matter where you are. He'll take you in and he'll change your life forever. Jesus not only will accept you, he looks at you and he says, you are valuable to him. He sees you as precious. And the thing is, when you come to Christ, he now accepts you in his family. You are a part of his family. So if you're at home right now and maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're listening online right now, or you're listening to a podcast in your car, whenever you can make that stop and pull over on the side of the road, just take the time to pray this prayer. And I'm going to lead you in this. I'm going to ask you if you're at your home, just close your eyes right now in your home and maybe bow your head. And maybe your whole family wants to pray this prayer right now. I'm going to lead you together right now. All you have to do is just follow me, repeat after me, and, and pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Today, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Man, we are so proud of you right now. Man, our whole church right now is giving you some digital thumbs up, some high fives, whatever we can put up there on the screen for you. Man, we love you guys. We're so proud of you for praying that prayer. And we want to help you get started walking with Christ. So we're about to go into another song of worship. And what I'd love for you to do right now is on our screen, there will be something that says connect.cornerstonerome.com. And if you'd love to take a moment during this next song of worship and just fill that out for us. Man, we want to help you get started walking with Christ. We want to give you some materials if you need them. Help you find a great church. Whatever you need, we want to help you get started on the right foot and get you started walking with Christ. Man, we're so proud of you, man. So, so proud of you and your decision today to make Jesus Lord. So during this next song of worship, take a moment to fill that out for us. Man, we're going to help you out in any way we possibly can.
Hey, thanks for joining today with us at Cornerstone Church Online. We pray that this Christmas season is the best for you and for your family. We pray God's blessing over you and his peace be upon your home and on your family. That this new year, 2022, will be a great year for you and for your family. So before we go, I would love to speak this blessing over you as we do every week at our church, over you and over your family. This is found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. It says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. That is our prayer for you and our prayer covering over you for this new year. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.